there is someone out there for you. It's just a matter of finding them and being really brutally honest. Welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. I'm Leanna. I'm Jared. And this is our second episode in the on, in a row on the road. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> we are our mobile mobile podcasting <laughs> recording studio or whatever. So we're in LA right now. Yeah. Um, we had a bunch of podcast friends like in town last night, and so we wanted to make the trip out and see them and support them. So we saw. Um, Erin Hill, she was on our podcast, um, and we met Natasha from Listen to Your Heart. Mm -hmm. Who you had interviewed when you did Aaron. Aaron's I guess show. hosted on Erin's show. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, we met some of her friends, and we met our one of our favorite people, Glow. Yes. Glow Stick. Yep. Who was also a guest on our show, which it was like... She is just so funny. Yeah. Like, we were done. It was like the best story. We have to have her on again to tell that story. Yeah. She told a great story on the episode with us and topped it like 20 times last it, night. It was fantastic. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then we met also our friend and comedian, Kane. Yeah. Or our friend, Kane, who's a comedian. Yes. And he had a show last night. Yeah. We saw him do a set at the improv. He was awesome. It's a show called Salty AF. Like all mm -hmm. the comics were really funny. It yeah. was cool. Yeah. And he, his podcast, Don't Take Bullshit from Fuckers, um, the producer, producer Pat, who Jared and I know because we were both on their podcast, mm -hmm. um, is great too. So yeah, it was like was really fun meeting them. Yeah. We like sat around a table and just laughed and cracked jokes for like. Till like 1 a.m. Yeah. For like two and a half hours. It was seriously like one of the most fun nights in a while. Like. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. Plus like it's just been a fun week. We had Kaylee's wedding last week and then we had this. Yeah. You and I have been doing a lot of socializing as a team. I'm going to be like really depressed in February. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, so yeah, so we're in LA at my one of my best guy friends Cole's apartment, which is so gracious of him to let us stay here. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna hang out a little bit more, and then we'll we'll yeah, head back. Yeah, we to got up. IE. We went to Whole Foods. We got some coffee and some smoothies, and now we're doing doing the podcast. And you had you told me something that I didn't know about you. Oh yeah, this is a big deal to you. You, you should share this. I want, I want you to like take a moment as a listener and just like soak this in. Yeah. So this morning it's, you know, 2022. I had my, I, I am currently like in the middle of eating my first acai bowl that I've ever had in my life. I've His never. His first acai bowl ever. I mean, like I probably had a bite of someone else's acai bowl, but I'm I've never purchased my own. I am shook. <laughs> I just feel like, I don't think it's a good choice like i feel like is it like the acai part is like full of sugar it has to be because it's like super sweet yeah i think it's one of like why i think i've avoided them is because i think it's one of those things that people think is healthy but it's like totally not healthy well i think there are ways to make it healthy like i like you can ask that they don't put agave in it or added sugar like you can make it like a smoothie and then have them put the fruit and the granola on top or whatever where were you when i was ordering this i'm sorry i was looking for an spf <laughs> chapstick for you thank you um anyway before we get too far we have an amazing guest on the show tiffany crookshank so I, she's very special to me because um, I got my 200 hour 
teacher training, yoga teacher training from her back in 2012. And then after my divorce, I that's when I decided to get my 500 hour. And I also went through her and her um, basically, I guess, I don't want to say company, but her business business yeah. Yeah. yeah yoga medicine which is international and phenomenal um that's w- what i went through for my 500 hour so it was really special to have her on the show and it's a little weird for me tiffany i don't know if you're listening but like to talk about my dating life <laughs> <laughs> oh because like she's you, like she's my like mentor she's like your teacher and you are yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but um yeah i'm just so grateful to her for coming on and it's it's not just about yoga there's actually like some really great like dating advice because she is very happily married to a great partner and um it's it's really it's just a really beautiful episode yeah it's really fun like she shares her journey of how she found yoga and like all of the the way it sort of changed her to be kind of like healthier in terms of like her own mental and emotional health and um and it's funny too because like what i was struck by during the interview is you know uh I was like, oh, like, you know, what kind of techniques can everyone use? And she's like, like, (laughs) it like took me halfway through the interview. I was like, oh, she's like a fucking like doctor. She's like, I actually treat people like what's happening with them. Yeah, she's an acupuncturist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, but it's a really cool conversation about like, I think her approach is so cool of like combining actual like Western medical science with traditional Chinese medicines and some of these more like traditional practices and traditional wisdom things that like yoga comes out of and all these mm-hmm. things so it's yeah fun. we talk about mindfulness and breath work and meditation and um again like you don't have to be a yogi or have taken yoga to to listen to this episode yeah absolutely. so it's really really great okay so something as like someone who is a yoga teacher and yogi or whatever um it's very common to get vaginal infections from wearing yoga leggings. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so we one of our our favorite sponsor Vfresh is a company that empowers women to take back their vaginal health and they have products that treat and prevent vaginal infections, yeast and bacterial infections. They also have like a wash and wipes and lube to keep everything fresh and healthy. Yes. Um, because the truth is is your your Vagina is self-cleaning, mm-hmm. but it sometimes it can get infections and then you have to do things to to help it get back to normal. And one of my favorite products is the Bork Acid Suppositories. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're working out a lot and you're wearing leggings and you're sweating, put one in after and it's just gonna balance the pH and prevent the infection altogether. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So whether you do yoga or whether you work out or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I use all of these products. I have the lube, I have the wash, I have the boric acid suppositories. They have urinary tract supplements to help prevent UTIs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can we have a code for you guys to get 10% off your order. Yep. So it's um, hello2022. And you're gonna go to vfresh.com, V-E-E fresh.com. And again, you'll enter hello2022 at checkout, get 10% off your order. Um, I I swear by the product. Yeah, and like woman-owned company, like you, you know, when you're using products like that, like you want to make sure you can like trust, mm-hmm. you know, like the company and where these products are coming from and stuff like that. And so, yeah, and we had yeah. Natasha on the show, and she's phenomenal. I'm trying to get her back on, actually. So anyway, rate and review. Rate and review. We also have a Patreon. You can go um, support the show directly there. Uh, patreon.com slash hello and goodbye yeah but honestly the best thing you can do to help us out is just share that with a friend yeah just tell tell them about the podcast share with a friend send them an episode um tag us on instagram and um that really just helps us out yeah okay
All right. So, okay. Update. So, so our last episode, we you, there was like live time update. There's like breaking news happening with between you and this guy you had been talking to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try and keep this short as much as possible because <laughs> I want you guys to get to Tiffany. Um, but basically, so the last text said, okay, I'll let you know when I'm done and maybe I can come to Redlands. Uh-huh. Um, he texted me later that evening and basically was just like, this wasn't the day I expected. Um, you know, I'm sorry, I can't make it out. And it was a little cryptic. It, it, it wasn't like, hey, I'm so sorry, I can't make it out. Um, I'll make it up to you. Like, when can we see sure. see you next or anything like yeah, that? Yeah. So, I mean, I just felt like it was in a weird spot because so... If you're, if you didn't hear last week, basically I'd been talking to this guy. We'd been on a couple dates. I felt like he was kind of like distancing himself a little bit. We were supposed to have a date. He didn't reach out. He reached out the next morning, canceled it because of a family emergency, which is like understandable. Yeah, sure. But we agreed that he could have texted anyway to let me know about it. Yeah, and I feel like this is a classic example of something that happens to a lot of people, like men and women in dating, where like. Because he's kind of saying the things. He's saying, like, oh, I'm interested in you. I want to see you, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, in all these little ways, his actions aren't, like, it's really opposite. lining up with that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, canceling. And, yes, family emergencies happen, so, like, no judgment there. Um, but, like, not giving you a lot of notice. And then even in the text you said you got afterwards, it's like, oh, boy, I had a really rough day. But it wasn't, like... So sorry, I had to cancel. When can I see you again? You yeah, know, like, like let's let's. How about Tuesday, right? Like right, yeah. exactly. So anyway, I, and I felt weird. I didn't want to be like, I'm so sorry for you. You know, like I mean, I said I'm sorry, but it wasn't like I, I'm not his girlfriend. We've been on a couple of days, and I didn't want to just be like checking in on him all day long. Like, how are you? How's your family? Like, yeah. you know, that's like he hasn't shown me that he's like that. I should give him that time yet. Yeah. And so anyway, I just said, um, I said, do you want, do you, do you want to talk on the phone? Like, would that help you? And he said, no, mm -hmm. he was like, I just want to be by myself right now. And I was like, okay. I said, well, take your time, you know, let me know when you want to hang out again. And then he didn't respond. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like he could have responded like, oh, you might hear sirens in the background. <laughs> We're in the city, y'all. <laughs> um, I feel like he could have just said, thanks so much. I'll contact you soon. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So anyway, so then he didn't contact me. Mm -hmm. And I like 72 hours later, mm -hmm. um, or maybe, what is, no, not 72 hours later. 72 like hours. Like 36 hours later. three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, like a day and a half later, whatever, I sent him a text and I said, because I'm thinking like, he's being rude, you know? And, but I'm also trying to be understanding. So I just, I was like, I'm just going to let him know where I'm at and then see how he responds. So I basically was just like, hey, I know I told you like take time, which is still fine. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I just want you to know that, you know, I do like you, I wanna see you again, but I know you're kind of in a weird spot. And if you need to like some time or like, I don't know if you're still interested or not, just, I guess just let me know one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Which I guess I could have just not and been like, okay, he'll just contact me if he's interested or not. I just don't like the waiting game. And I just think it's like just respectful and courteous to. You're such a, you're such like a words person. Like you don't like things like left unsaid. No, like if something's I don't. happening, you're like, I want to process it. And for some reason, the idea of like 
like just drifting apart and like whatever like had that. happened like just withering away and then it's no, gone yeah. like that really is hard for you well for do you know reason. do you know why because i feel like you know after my divorce i experienced a lot of the fizzle of where you know the guy would really like me and then he'd start to pull away and i would play the game of like okay i'm not going to reach out i'm not going to smother him and just wait and then they eventually just end it anyway so I'm like, you like rip the bandaid off. Just rip like, the bandaid off. off. <laughs> yeah, just like let me know, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that if, I think it's also telling that I had to ask him. I think if I if I was confident enough in his feelings for me, I just wouldn't have had to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I just felt it in my gut. I just felt it in my gut that it just wasn't gonna work. Yeah. But I also was like trying to be understanding and open. And if he needed a whole week and then he wanted to hang out later, like I'm fine with that. Yeah. So anyway, he texted me the following day and was like, hey, I still want to see you. Do you want to talk on the phone tonight? Ugh. And I was just like, oh, it was. So, I mean, like, and like I'm, not, I'm saying because it just I know what it's like to be stuck in this like mixed message. It purgatory. was so mixed message. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you do. Like, I was kind of shocked by it. So anyway, so we talk on the phone. You should have texted back and been like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I start. I started the phone call off by saying, you know what? I'm I'm really, so I said, I'm sorry for maybe putting pressure on you. What? Because I, well, that, we'll talk about this next week, but I had an interesting <laughs> session with my new psychotherapist. Ooh. And I'll tell, I'll tell you guys her thoughts next week on this whole situation. Mm. But I think, I feel like she made me feel like I shouldn't have asked him if he was interested or not, that it puts pressure on the situation, that that would scare him away. Like all the stuff that I innately don't agree with. Yeah. But then I felt bad about it. So I just, I was like, I know you're going through stuff. I'm sorry if I put any pressure on you, you know? And then he said, yeah, it was kind of like, he's like, you told me that I could take time. And then you sent me this text and he was like, and it really just kind of threw me off. And I said, I said, I understand that, but also like I sent you this text and you didn't respond. Like I yeah. said, hey, take your time. And then you just didn't respond. Yeah. And he was like, no, I get that. Okay. So then it basically got down to he, he told me that after our second date, he freaked out because he felt like the conversation was too deep. And that's why he distanced himself and pulled away. So then I'm thinking like, I fucking knew it. Like, this is what I felt. Like, this is what I felt in my gut is that something changed. Like yeah. something changed. And I'm trying to think like, what? How was it like, because I asked if you want kids? Like, that's kind of normal. Like, that's on your dating profile nowadays. Yeah, like, whether true. you want kids or not. Yeah. And he did seem really taken aback by that question. Um, and, and I think to his point, I think I can. I think you and I can go deep rather quickly. True. But what he said that really bugged me is he said, you asked a lot of really deep questions. He's like, and I know I asked deep questions too, but I really did it as a responsiveness. Okay. And I'm like, so you're pinning that on me? Yeah, that's kind of like, uh, it, it's, it feels a little bit blamey. It's like, oh, I didn't sort of set boundaries and say something in the moment to be like, hey, how about we talk about something lighter? Yeah. Like, what kind of, what's your favorite restaurant in town or something like that? And then I'm going to sort of say, well, I was uncomfortable in the moment and... 
and you're and, and it's I sort know of your fault. I know I was sort fault. of like showing you that it was okay, but it wasn't okay. Right, yeah. right. And so anyway, so I'm like my feelings were hurt, and sure. I just was, I was just kind of sad, and I said, okay, I said, I tried to just be like, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that you felt the conversation was too deep, and you freaked out, mm-hmm. and then you needed space. And now you'd need things to go way slower and you need the conversation to be more superficial. And he was like, yeah, basically. So then he's like, well, you know, do you want to hang out like Saturday? And he's like, I want to just do something fun with you, you know? And, uh-huh. and I said, okay, like, that's fine. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking inside, like, really, like, I'm kind of like, now I feel like maybe I can't show up as myself anymore because. Well, yeah. I'm, why did you say yes to the date? Because I'm trying to be understanding. Like, I'm trying to, like, do things differently. Okay. You know, like, you know, maybe try to see his point. And maybe I was too deep. Or maybe he does just need time. And I I push things too fast. And, like, I don't know. I just, the psychotherapist really fucked with my head. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> so... We get off the phone and I felt kind of bummed and I was thinking like, I don't know if I want to see him. Yeah. You know, because like that felt like not good. Yeah. And I, and I, and I don't want to show up on Saturday and be like, what do I talk about? Like, what can I ask and what can I not ask and, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so anyway, I, but I didn't reach out and he didn't reach out and I'm thinking like, this is just not this isn't going to happen. But I'm like, also, I told him I would give him space. So anyway, sure enough, uh, two days ago, he texted me and was like, hey, I was thinking about it and I just don't think we're a right fit. Um, We already are so different and I just feel like there's definitely going to be issues if we continue to hang out. And like, I truly think you're such an amazing person. Like, truly, I mean that. And I wish you the best. And I was just like, fuck off. And I really wanted to send like the angry, like luxury text, which is like what I usually yeah, do. Yeah. But I was like, he doesn't deserve my time. He doesn't deserve that energy from me. And and I do think I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's a peep he's reminds me of you in the past. Hmm. Like he he is a people pleaser. He felt uncomfortable. He kind of pulled away without like kind of communicating yeah, that to me. Yeah. Those are all very me in the past. I know. <laughs> I know. And and I I actually like if he if he freaked out by something so like that, what yeah. would he have done if we had sex? Yeah, that's true. If he's like cuz clearly he has some fear of intimacy. Sure. Um I remember even grabbing his hand and he pulled it away. Oh, interesting. You know, so anyway, it's over. It's done. I, I didn't cry over it. I, I feel like I've really grown a lot. I mean, I was a little bummed, but more of just the rejection. Yeah. But I knew I agreed with him. And so I just said, per my, the advice of my friend Allison, um, I just said, oh, hey, thank you for letting me know. Best of luck to you out there. Good for you. And um, that's it. How did that feel? It felt good. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Yeah. It felt good. I feel like I want to, I think we need to unpack this a little bit Yeah, we're going to talk about it more in the next week. I didn't want to take too much of of Tiffany's episode time. Yeah. But we definitely need to talk more about it because there's a lot of layers with the the therapy session that I had. And, um, and really my, my like feeling like I needed to do things differently and it still had the same outcome. Yeah. And maybe I don't need to do things differently. Maybe I can just show up as myself 
and like, or maybe I need to learn and heat and hear other people's advice and try it. And like, it's kind of like a trial and error kind of a thing. Yeah. So anyway. It's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about it next week, but I feel like um, sort of getting in touch with the most authentic whole place in yourself and like not getting sucked into like, what does this other person want from me? Right. I feel like that is like doing things differently. Right. Right. Like, and that, but that's like the hardest thing in the world to do. Um, because yeah, I know that it's, I, I'm still trying to figure that I out. I know. And like all of us are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh wait, this is like such a tease for next week's episode. I know. Ooh, <laughs> stay tuned everyone. All right. You guys are going to love this interview. Thank you again, Tiffany, for coming on and we'll see you at the end. Okay, I'm so excited to have on our show the founder of Yoga Medicine and internationally acclaimed due to her ability to fuse the two worlds of Eastern and Western medicine together and apply it to the practice of yoga in an accessible and relevant way. She also has a new podcast, Yoga Medicine, and she's my mentor and teacher of over 10 years. Please welcome Tiffany Crutchank. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Nice to be on your podcast and, yeah. and see you. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's, it's been a long time. A long time. It feels like forever. It feels like it's been 10 years. I know. I <laughs> yeah, know. When, when was the last time you guys actually saw each other? So my last training with you, Tiffany, was November 2019. Wow. And right it was before it all began. Yes. And yeah. it's funny, though, because <laughs> I remember I was so tired. I was in this state of like, I think I my nervous system was just overloaded. And it was ironic. It was the nervous system training. And <laughs> I spent seven days literally just napping. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't it was stay good awake. timing. I know. I couldn't stay awake in practices. I was napping on our breaks. Like it was just, I mean, I got so much out of the training, obviously, but it's it's funny, like my journey with you. I think I told you one time that you should be like have like recordings of you talking to talk people to sleep. Cause <laughs> I <laughs> That's true. That's she does have a very like soothing uh, voice. Yeah. Very Aww. soothing. Yeah. Why, thank you. <laughs> you can have your own version of My the family app might song. have a different opinion. <laughs> <laughs> they just see me like running around the house being goofy and like I think there's been a lot of dance parties during COVID, you know, just spontaneously turning on music because we're all at our computer sitting all day for yeah. so long. Yeah. I think we've gotten weirder through COVID in my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. Tiffany, take us back a little bit to like, if you want to just give us a brief kind of how you got into yoga, what makes you you today and how you founded Yoga Medicine. Yeah, the quick one. Well, <laughs> it's interesting now, too, because we have two kids. Well, now they're almost out of their teens. We have an 18 and a 20 year old. I inherited them. They're my stepkids. They're my <laughs> husband's kids. Um, but it's so interesting watching it because I found yoga when I was struggling so much in my teens. I was 14 <laughs> and I struggled so much with hormones and, you know, being teased and all the, all of the things and, um, trying to find meaning in the world and trying to just be comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, 
I um, I was a troublemaker. I tested all the boundaries and my parents sent me out on a wilderness program and it changed my life. Mm. And it was cool because I learned how to survive. <laughs> the joke in the family is always now like with when you watch the apocalypse movies, like I'm the one they want to <laughs> be with <laughs> because I know how to like make fire and do all the primitive stuff. Um, but, it, you know, it was empowering, but there was also a man on the wilderness program with me that was an herbalist and he'd take me out on plant walks. And I think he was just so excited to have someone interested because none of the other teenagers were interested in what he had to say. <laughs> and so he'd take me out on these walks and teach me all about the plants. And it, it really began my intrigue with holistic medicine, which to me, yoga is a very important part of. And um, so I came home and I ended up just seeing this little sign. There was no internet at the time. And there was just this little sign that said yoga and a phone number. And we used to drive by it. It was close to my house. So we'd always drive by. And finally, I remembered it. And my mom would take me. It was in a chiropractor's office. So maybe there were five or six people. I think at the time, everyone seemed all, like old in quotes, <laughs> probably <laughs> in their 60s. Um, and, and I just remember the way that I felt, you know, and after going to his class for a while, he invited me to his house. I didn't know it at the time, but that was when I started doing Ashtanga um, in this little room that fit three people. And growing up being really athletic and physical, there was something to it that really drew me in about the physicality. But as we all know, if you practice yoga long enough, there are these incredible layers that keep you coming back that have intrigued me over the decades. And um, and that was it. That was that was the beginning for me. I, I didn't really stop from there. I went, um, kind of got really excited about it and quickly finished my undergrad, went off to college at 16, studied um, medicinal plant biology and nutrition and did my pre-med and then went off to, um, I found an acupuncturist and fell in love with Chinese medicine and the art of Chinese medicine. So then I went off to um, Chinese medicine school, did my grad school there and um, all the while taught yoga. <laughs> it was kind of like my side gig. Um, and yeah, I don't know where, how much you want from there. <laughs> I don't know. Keep, yeah. Keep going. This is great. <laughs> well, so actually if I like, I, I, and you're just sort of just starting to introduce it, but what I think is so cool about your approach is it's really about the union between Western medical approaches and more sort of alternative or Eastern or traditional kind of these like cultural practices and stuff like that. And I feel like most people today are like hardcore, like one or the other. And so I'm curious if you can like talk a little bit more about like how those two things can kind of work together and like, what are some of like how you help people understand that they can be complementary. Yeah. And I think that really comes from my upbringing. My parents are, are very strong Christians and um, very conservative. And I know when I first started, I was such a troublemaker. They were just happy. I was directing my energy into something that seemed more positive than the other things I was doing. And um, But they were always so afraid that I was in a cult, that I was going to be like doing some mm. weird things. And um, so for me, this, this blending of, of bringing in the science and making it relatable, I think always spoke to my heritage a little bit and my upbringing and... Um, and 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 how that kind of shaped my relationship with it, you know. I was always trying to convince them, you know, of the benefits of it, and you know, it's not a cult, it's not a religion, it's you know, this amazing thing. And um, and so I, I think that just reflected in how I, I taught. You know, when I graduated, 
and started seeing patients, it was the same with, with Chinese medicine. For me, it's such a powerful modality. If you experience either one of these yoga or acupuncture, you know pretty quickly the, the potency of them. And uh, for me as a Chinese medicine practitioner, I think one of the things that made, made my practice really successful was being able to speak in a way that was meaningful to my patients. And not everyone wants to know about all the details of Chinese medicine and, and what can sound kind of woo-woo, but there is a way to really make it relatable. And for me, my Western mind, I, I've always loved science and, and understanding things as curiosity. So for me, it just made sense to kind of relate it in a way that was meaningful to them. And I, it was actually the reason. So I, I had my own practice in Portland. I sold it and then moved and was working with a really famous doctor in New York for a while, um, seeing a lot of celebrities and pro athletes, which was really fun working with him. Um, but then I got a gig with Nike and that was actually why Nike hired me to come back to their world headquarters was because I um, was, I'm assuming this was her interpretation in the interview, you know, it was really about how I had woven the two together and kind of brought it down to earth. Um, I became friends with the woman that hired me later and she told me that, of course, <laughs> but, you know, of course, I think that really helped at Nike. I think that helps, you know, for, for yoga, for the whole thing. And I think from a healing standpoint, it also creates this positive visualization. If I have a way to connect to it, it doesn't matter what words I use. If I can create this, this visualization, this kind of healing map to take me back to that, that might involve science or anatomy, that might involve an understanding of, of yoga philosophy or Chinese medicine principles. Um, but I actually think that a lot of people now really, I mean, maybe it's just the world I live in, but love that combination. I feel like, um, you know, for the first decade or so of, of my journey teaching yoga, I felt a lot more of that, like the rift between, you know, the people that really wanted the, the nuanced subtleties and philosophy and the people who really wanted the Western science. And I just, I feel so impressed, I think, by how far our society's come as far as embracing yoga and acupuncture. And I do think there's so many more people, again, it might be my perspective, but that really embrace both, um, which is cool to me, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of, so I'm also, I also grew up very conservative Christian and then found yoga while I was married at the time. And it was kind of like, like I had to explain to my parents that doing a yoga training was not like of the devil. Like they were concerned. <laughs> so we and, get each other. That's why we were drawn yes, to each other. <laughs> exactly. And you was uh, something that drew me to your program um, was that it seemed anatomical based, you know, and that I didn't, I didn't want the woo woo. I didn't want the, the spiritual side and the philosophical I have like COVID brain right now, but the <laughs> philosophical side. Um, and I, I loved it. I mean, I eat up anatomy and yoga and then, you know, with my trainings with you throughout the year, the years, um, Chinese medicine was actually my favorite training that I did. <laughs> and so it's just been so fun to see you bring this into the yoga world and it becomes such a like worldwide like thing what was your progression into creating yoga medicine and how has that been for you since then 
Yeah. And, and first off, I just want to say, I, I know you said you love the TCM and I just, for me, TCM fills in the gaps that Western medicine doesn't understand. Like for instance, um, I love our women's health module because it talks so much, so much we don't understand about things like infertility and PCOS and endometriosis and things that TCM just brilliantly makes sense of all of those nuances. So um, yeah, I, I love bringing the TCM in and, and I, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, well, for me, uh, let's say where did it begin? I mean, I started running trainings out of my house in 2003, and that was just me, uh, maybe 2002, 2003. Um, that was just me going to trainings, loving them. And, and there weren't many trainings at the time. And then coming home and just teaching little workshops to like my fellow teachers, people who were interested. And I just loved it so much that it expanded and expanded over time. And um, I think it was 2008, we did our first 200-hour training. And then 2009, I did the first 500-hour training. And it's just kind of gone from there. And you know, at the time, it was just, I didn't really have a name for it. It was just me. So I called it Tiffany Yoga. Um, at the same time, you know, when I got out of school, I was seeing a lot of patients who were yoga teachers or yoga students or teachers. Um, and I just noticed how quickly they got better in comparison to my <laughs> patients who didn't do yoga. They responded so yeah. so quickly. And so I started giving what I called yoga prescriptions to my patients who didn't do yoga, which was, you know, just one or two little simple things that they do. And I found that it really enhanced the outcomes because it gave people things to do. I, I never wanted people to be dependent on me. I hated that sense of like, you've got to come back every week or you've got to do this, you know, and, and become dependent on coming to me. I've always really wanted people to find their own way and, and give people tools to really unlock their own potential and, and, and health. Because I think that's really where the, the stuff comes is the things that you do more regularly rather than the like once a week you come and see me if that. So anyways, I... Um, I started using those yoga prescriptions. And at the time I was running these teacher trainings and it was very anatomically based and um, more traditional. I was still teaching Ashtanga a bit at the time. So it was kind of more traditionally based in that lens. And um, I actually hurt my back really. I, I, I herniated a disc and had a pretty extreme injury, which kind of pushed me to be like, Hey, Tiffany, you're using all this, my specialty was sports medicine. Um, and you're doing all this great work with your patients. Like you need to bring this into your yoga classes. Mm. I was teaching vinyasa and ashtanga, but I wasn't really integrating it. And so um, I started really leaning into the therapeutics. It was a good kick for me to start to focus on that and draw in all of what I loved about anatomy and biomechanics and movement and um, optimizing health and working with athletes. And so um, so yeah, so that was kind of how it evolved into yoga medicine eventually, and really became focused on therapeutics, which to me, I think a lot of people have misconceptions about therapeutics in yoga, like that it's, you know, we're laying around on pillows and relaxing. But to me, therapeutics is simply what meets the individual needs. So that could be something vigorous, that could be something sweaty, it could be restorative, it could be meditation pranayama, um, but really it's about individualizing it. And so I've just found over the years that I, I love teaching it. I love integrating what I do in TCM with what I love in anatomy, with what I love in yoga. There's such a beautiful blending um, when they all come together and meet in the middle that I really love teaching too. That's so awesome. Um, so TCM, <laughs> traditional Chinese medicine, right? That's what oh, that yeah, sorry. means. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. Just for the, for the audience. Um, 
So I'm curious, like for you and your work and even clients and students that you work with, can you talk about like how that, that relationship between like the physical health and the, the mental health, you know, because mm. we talk a lot about kind of like holistic wellness and particularly like mental and emotional health on our show. And, and it sounds like that's one of the major benefits in this complementary approach, but. I, I mean, I, th I think so. I don't think you can influence one without influencing the other. You know, I think it really is all linked together. And so it's one of the reasons I really love teaching anatomy because everyone can relate to that. Some people are open to the subtleties or the philosophy or other parts of the nuances of yoga or the maybe the mental side of it. But the anatomy feels like a touchstone that everyone can relate to. And then you get all those spillover effects of just the simple things that we do in yoga. Just, I mean, just the... Uh, concept of being able to focus our attention on the breath for a few moments is such an important thing. The the positivity I think that it brings, the ability to um, lean into our ability to notice and be curious to things without having to have an outcome or an expectation or an agenda, mm. I think is such a big part of that. Um, and I think for me, the coolest things that I notice, obviously, there's kind of a whole mental health realm that we could talk about, but um, are the little things like the changes in people's outlook on life that I see. I mean, it's beautiful to watch. I love that I can run these trainings and watch teachers in particular trajectory over over often many years and watch how they change so much and, and it's own, their own work, of course. Um, to just seeing things differently, to being a more proactive um, member in their life. I was, I was having this little conversation with our son the other day. We had this little talk about how important it is to, um, to have ownership and to not blame other people for things. Because as soon as I blame someone, I, I take my power away. And I think mm. yoga allows us to keep reflecting and, and seeing what it is that we're doing, how I can get better, how I can improve, whether it's, you know, quotes, my fault or not. My, my son got in a car accident where <laughs> he was in the roundabout and someone hit him. So it clearly wasn't his fault, but he learned a lot about what he has to do for insurance next time that he should probably call the cops, even if everyone's okay, because they, you know, establish who's in the right or wrong mm -hmm. for the insurance, yeah. you know, all the little things. And it was, you know, just this moment of like, okay, well, there's still things I can learn in any situation by just paying attention and listening and noticing and, and kind of stripping away the judgment of it. I think yoga really helps us. It's kind of like cleaning the lens of your sunglasses just to be able to see more clearly so that maybe I can make better decisions. You know, maybe I still make some of the same decisions and that's okay. I get to start watching the patterns and the habitual responses and and I get to be that proactive, um, proactive part of deciding, you know, which way I want to steer things. And uh, I think that's a really important part of, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things I think that yoga does for mental health, but mm -hmm. um, I think that's one of them. We, we judge everything. We're constantly filtering and scrutinizing and judging and maybe blaming or, you know, being able to find a way to keep growing and embracing. I think the curiosity is such a big big part of it. Go ahead, Leanna. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say, well, it sounds like a lot of that is mindfulness of just being mm. like very aware of your own feelings, your own emotions, your like impact on the world and the world's impact on you. 
I'm wondering, can you kind of talk a little bit about mindfulness in just like, um, like an everyday way of maybe, you know, listeners that we have that aren't really interested in doing yoga or the physical side of it, how can they apply certain aspects of it to their lives? Yeah, that's a big one. Um, you know, I, I think what's most interesting about mindfulness that people kind of forget is that it really is just being aware. I think for some of us, I, I know for myself, my human nature is as I become aware of something, I want to scrutinize it. I want to pick it apart. I want to dissect it. I want to understand it. I want to know where it came from and where it's going and all of the things. And I think what's really freeing and empowering about mindfulness is that we kind of strip all of that away and allow ourselves just to be in it. And I think, you know, in, in yoga, it's this idea of kind of clearing away those filters so that we can see clearly because so many times we get caught up in the story and we get caught up in the agenda. And um, for me, curiosity is a word that I love these days because it kind of dismantles all of that, kind mm. of strips it all down to just be present. And, you know, as I'm curious, I have like a, you know, a, a, a young child's mind to be able to feel things as if they were the first time so that there isn't this story behind it and this agenda. So I think to me, that's one of the key components. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think we, you know, because I think whether you're doing yoga or not, I think a lot of just being aware in your relationships with anybody and yourself that you have to take small steps every day to like stop for a moment or like take a couple deep breaths or something that one of the things that you always, you say a lot when I'm taking classes with you or trainings is you say, what does it feel like to be in your body? Like just notice, like, what does it feel like? And I think just even small things like that, if someone's in the kitchen and they're stressed or, you know, excuse me, or they go on a date and it goes horribly or they're mad at their partner or whatever to just like stop and be like, okay, what am I feeling <laughs> in my body? And I think if we all just were a little bit more mindful and aware, then like that would help so many things before reacting or before mm. doing something that we might regret or that we don't want to do. I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. I, I think what most people don't realize is that the noticing is the recalibration. Like in a yoga practice, and, and this can apply to your day with those check-ins you're talking about, those mindfulness, those mindful moments of just even just noticing your breath for a moment. I think it's easy to kind of brush over those as something that's kind of very simple. Like you're in a yoga practice and you you know, like you said, I might ask people to pause and just notice. And I think what most people don't realize is that is where my system now starts to respond and my nervous system starts to kind of take in those changes and recalibrate. That gives me that moment of space for for the recalibration. And, and I think, you know, it seems so simple, but it's such a big thing. And in relationships, I mean, for me, it was everything I know when I was, you know, I mean, we've all struggled in relationships and <laughs> our struggles. And for me, the thing that's been most helpful is has been being able to own my own issues, you know, like you get in a fight and we all 
we all have the tendency, right, to kind of flare up. I'm just as fiery as anyone else. <laughs> and what? You know, there's that <laughs> moment of, of noticing and and like and and you can it's almost like a little a little creature or something. You can kind of see its shape kind of rearing up a little bit and noticing it. And um and now I can kind of start to look like, whoa, what's what's actually triggering me here right now? You know, am I just needing more attention from my partner? You know, are our ideas of what we want not lining up? Are you know, like what do what's actually happening so that I can have the real conversation instead of just getting angry and then storming off and us both being unhappy? I think as I've gotten older too, I've noticed that, you know, being happy in a lot of ways. And not to overly simplify it, I know there's a lot more to it, but it, it's choice. And mm. you know, when I'm fighting with my partner, I'm I'm kind of choosing to have a shitty day. Can I say mm. that on here? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you can say anything you want. <laughs> I'm I'm choosing to have a shitty day. And you know, when I was younger, I had a lot more fire, and I would just steam and and stew in it. And you know, at some point, you have to realize, okay. I don't want to have a shitty day. You don't want to have a shitty day. So what's what's really going on here? Can I can I clear that lens, pull my emotions away because the emotions kind of deactivate the prefrontal cortex and my ability, you know, and I get really overly emotional, I can't really think straight. Can I calm that down? Can I take a few breaths so that now I can actually use the the intelligent part of my brain and actually be able to have a conversation and, and you know I think our daughter's 20 and you know she's in her first relationship so it's it's fun watching it and, and also <laughs> challenging um but you know what i think is so interesting about relationships is we always have this feeling that it's personal and it's it's not personal especially when you're single and you're dating like it's just a fit or it's not a fit it's mm. not about whether you're good enough for that person or they're good enough for you it's just it's not personal at all. It's just about is there is there a connection? Do we see the same? Do we have chemistry? And then if we do, and we've committed to each other, um, you know, and I, I've been married before my husband as well, so I've been in situations where, you know, my my first husband wasn't a very good communicator, <laughs> and that was kind of a, a deal breaker for me because mm-hmm. I have to be able to talk through something. I, I have so much respect for him um, still. And, you know, but for me, it just unfortunately wasn't, wasn't the person that I could see myself living the rest of my life with because I have to be able to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's not personal. It's finding the person that you can have the hard conversations with that you can have that will also have that courage to kind of calm down enough to see clearly, to be unemotional, you know, maybe that means waiting. But um, I, for me, the yoga has helped me a lot in relationships. I can't imagine what a train wreck I'd be in relationships <laughs> if I hadn't had some yoga <laughs> in my life. Yeah. So, I love that yeah. so much because I think that really you know, we talk, we talk a lot about like making excuses for, you know, people that aren't reciprocating or like, just like being bummed. Like, you know, the whole idea of the podcast is like, you say hello to someone one moment and like a week later or three months later or seven years later, maybe you have to say goodbye and it hurts and it sucks. But I like that, that I like the idea that it's not personal it's just, does it work or does it not work? 
And then you get to use each situation and learn with it and move forward and hopefully become a better version of yourself so that when you do meet the right Mm. person, then you can communicate effectively. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think back with, with Forrest, my husband now, like I think both of our previous partners prepared us to be the person we are with each other. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm always like, like she really broke you in for me. <laughs> you know? <And> like, <laughs> I learned, you know, that I need to, you learn what you need. And for me, you know, I, I, I Forrest and I met online dating. We met on OkCupid and I, I love the idea of online dating. I just think, what ends up happening for so many people is we go into this place of needing to please and needing to be wanted by other people that it actually puts up a facade that we don't actually get to quickly weed through and actually find the person. Cause I really believe there's probably several that, but there are, there's someone for everyone out there. If we can just really be ourselves. And that was what was so opening for me on okay. Cupid was that, I could just be super honest about who I am, what I want, what I don't want, and you know, just put it out there. And you know, I met my husband. I had just come off. I had moved to Sydney. I was engaged, and had this this horrible, really, really awful. Well, not awful because of him, but just a really sensitive breakup. Mm. Um, and my husband had come out of his marriage and had a really tough divorce, long in the coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know, when we met, we were both so raw that we didn't have any guards up. We both were like, "This is just me. Take it or leave it. I don't know what's going to come of this. You know, I'm not necessarily looking. I'm not looking for anything serious. I'm not looking just for a fling. But you know, this. Let's just see what happens." And I think mm-hmm. both of us were so raw that we just had no guards up. Um, and I think when you have that guard up, you're trying to please everyone, and so you you know end up at all these pit stops along the way before you finally get to that person and yeah i I just i wish i wish everyone felt that i have feel like i tell my single friends it's like there is someone out there for you it's just a matter of finding them and being really brutally honest you know if if they're not giving you the attention you need early on like move on you know it's Mm. not it's not personal to them either like it's just not right. <laughs> My friend was on um, one of the online dating apps recently and and she had like this really great connection with this guy and he was cute. She showed me his picture and like he checked all the boxes and they, you know, had a nice date. And then the next day he texted her and it was, he said, you know, I just don't think it's going to work out or something like that. And she was like, so taken back and kind of offended, which, which I would have, I mean, I think everyone feels hurt and sure. sensitive. And I was like, honestly, I think I would be so grateful. Like, thank God he didn't string you on. Yeah. And, you know, you find out a year later, like, like my fiance in Sydney, we could have dated for five years before I found out he wasn't right. So, mm. you know, I moved to Sydney. I found out really quickly and it was hard and hurt like hell, but mm. I was really glad to like be able to move on and find someone who maybe was the right person. <laughs> So. I love all of this so much. Sorry, Jared. I know you- <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, I uh, really hope Leanna is paying close attention here. Um, hey, you're single too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and and what uh, like I, the thread that I think runs through so much of what you've been saying, Tiffany, is this idea of like acceptance, right? And like what you just said about that courage to just 
fully put it all out there, like is really a deep level of self-acceptance of like, yeah, I don't mm. have to try to be like cool or what I think other people will find sexy or whatever. I'm just going to be myself. And, and I even thought about that in what you were saying about happiness being a choice, right? In every moment, we have the opportunity to accept what is or to sort of stay in the like, oh, but I, I wish it was like this or what, I, you know, like that's the sort of Buddhist definition of suffering is the wish that things were other than what they are. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's, um, I don't know. I think that's uh, so difficult. You know, there's like a million endless layers to that, to accepting yourself and being able to accept things in the moment, but so important. I think it's I think it's so cool because like everyone has their own form of weird. We're all weird in our own way. And I don't know about you, but I want to find someone who likes my weird, not someone I have to hide my weird from. I know I spent a lot of years trying to like hide my weird and be like this normal person. And you know, when I met Forrest, it was just like, again, all my guards were down. And I'm like, wow actually finding someone like someone out there will love your form of weird <laughs> or your, who you are as you are there is someone and probably many people out there who will love your form of weird if i can just be okay with that and wait for that person and not again not take it personally that not everyone's gonna want that and that's okay like they have a different form of weird because <laughs> we yeah. all got it <laughs> yeah well my so. form of weird is over communication <laughs> <laughs> and you'll find someone who loves that trust me Forrest is such a great listener he knows i love to talk and like at the end of my days i love to like minus after a training i'll probably be quiet for days after a training oh, i'm sure i'm sure but i love talking and he's he loves listening and you know it's, it's a really nice combination because you know that's kind of we both have our own way of doing it. and of course i listen to him but he's not as much of a talker i always have to kind of like <laughs> pull it out of him but you know you just find the combination that works for you and and you know yeah i don't know that was my story at least i i love it jared what's your form of weird oh i don't know i have like a million it's he, Jared is a very he's turned into a very odd person. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So speaking of my my form of weird, I'm like part of me wants to because um Tiffany, I've gotten really into like breathwork stuff lately. I read that book Breath by James Nestor. I don't know if you've Ooh, heard of it. Or it's read so it. good. Oh, yeah. It's so good, right? Um, and I've also been reading more about like sort of tapping stuff, which I think is like about meridians, right? Which is sort of TCM based. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about like either like pranayama stuff or breast stuff or tapping or anything like that? <laughs> any of that? <laughs> Just talk about it. I have been really into. I love the tapping lately. It, for me, it's just another way of of doing acupressure, but it kind of it feels a little bit more tangible to a lot of people because it it kind of feels like it sparks things a little bit more than just pushing on the points. Now, obviously some points, you know, are harder to tap than others. Some just feel better to kind of rub or massage. But um, I, I mean, I love acupuncture and acupressure. So for me, the tapping is just a great extension of that as a way to kind of tune into not only those acupuncture points, but also this vibrational layer, which is which is very real. It's not esoteric and strange and out there, but it's actually a real part of our bodies, this vibration body. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. What, what did so you what want? would you like? What would you say to somebody? Like, when would you say like, hey, this might be something really good for you? And like, how would you kind of explain it to someone who's sort of like new to the whole concept? Well, it just really depends on what's going on. I'm using them just as I would acupuncture points. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's like 400 or so points. It kind of depends on what's going on. And so it's usually <laughs> very individualized. Um, and I'll usually kind of stay, you know, for because most people are familiar with acupressure. I like that term because it's not, thank God, acupuncture is not so weird. I thought, you know, when I first started, I would probably spend my whole career being this black sheep, strange outsider. And now, you know, it's really nice to have yoga and acupuncture so embraced, but with, with acu I'll usually call it acupressure and kind of let them decide whether they like to, to press or tap, you know, everyone has different preferences. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but. Well, no. So, I mean, like what I'm aware of is like, I know a lot of people like use it as a kind of de-escalation technique. Like if they get really anxious or yes. really overstressed or over emotional and stuff like that. And there's a way that you're sort of tapping on these different points on your body. And, it, and, and, yeah, I think and I'm it's, not trained in that. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. called e EFT, emotional freedom technique. Mm, right. Is yeah, that what yeah. you're talking about? And they have a very specific order that it goes in and the, as, as far as I know, I, I all of the ones that I know of that they're tapping on are acu acupuncture points. They're usually very calming points, very nourishing points. One of my favorites here, just right on the center of the sternum. Mm. There's a great one, right? If you think about yeah. going just below your clavicles, just to the outer edges of your sternum, it's mm. kidney 27. It's the last point on the kidney meridian. But in Chinese medicine, we use this as like an emotional reset button. So mm. I think of it like clearing the slate and... Um, for me, that's a really important one for de-escalating. And then they've got some calming points on the wrist, I think. But again, I'm not I'm not trained in in the EFT technique, so I'm yeah. not using it in that specific way. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think that's just an example of what both you and Leanna were talking about in terms of like getting back into the body and the sort of mindfulness aspect and the idea that, you know, I, I think of it like your, 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 your conscious thinking mind sort of stepping off of the treadmill, you know, it's mm. like going, 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 going. And then, you know, just the idea of like tuning into sensation in some way. And I think for a lot of us having some kind of like, like for a lot of people, like meditation is hard of just, well, like, mm -hmm. sit there and tune into the sensation of your breath for 10 minutes um, is really difficult. So having something a little more visceral, like a tapping, like a specific breath work, or even like a yoga asana, like a yoga pose or something like that um, really helps I, people I get love there. the breath work too. I mean, the breath work is such a great way because basically we're interjecting in, in the nervous system because the breath is the only part of the nervous system that can be both auto automatic as well as controlled. So we get this gateway into the autonomic, what's called the autonomic nervous system. And, um, I mean, I think everyone, the breath is so popular now, has probably experienced how quickly you can calm down with, and, and I think there's a lot of different breathing techniques that do that. You know, in, in yoga, we look at a lot of specificity between the different pranayama techniques. However, you know, when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with, with patients or clients, um, it's really just about finding that thing. Like everyone has their their switch that they have to flip, whether that's for some people that the tapping is like the thing and for, or the acupressure for others, you know, it's just taking a slow exhalation for others. You know, it's a four count inhale, a seven count pause, an eight count exhale or four count inhale, eight count exhale. You I mean, there's so many different variations on those things. And, and for others, it's just noticing their breath. 
And I think the trick as a human for me is is teaching people the owner's manual to their body. So helping them find that thing that really unlocks the puzzle for them so that you know when they're in that stress state and the amygdala is going crazy <laughs> that emotional part of the brain is going crazy you know i can start to shift to the nervous system really quickly and now i'm able to engage with my prefrontal cortex the the, the rational part of my mind that can really see things more clearly and make you know calm clear decisions and you know all of those can be really great ways to to quickly shift but it does require um, you know, that I that I have some practice with it <laughs> mm-hmm. to some extent. I mean, I think anyone can do a little breath work and probably shift things a bit. But as I become more familiar with it, it I think it becomes a more potent tool for people. Mm. Is there oh, like God. one technique out there that you would recommend to the oh. like to our listeners or like like uh, or mm-hmm. I, I almost I almost want to ask you if you want to like lead us through something right now, but we totally don't have to do that. <laughs> Well, here's my, well, the, the, the tapping on kidney 27 is one of my favorites If people like tapping. That's a great one. Um, so again, it's just below the, the call, the collarbones, clavicles, and just outside of the sternum. And, and usually you'll do that for a minute or two. So it's just outside of your sternum. So it's almost on the edges of your sternum, right below your collarbones. Um, another one is right in between the eyebrows. This is a point called yin tong. That's really calming. It's the point, you know, if we have someone who's nervous as an acupuncturist, we put that one in first. <laughs> Calm them down. It's like it's known by every acupuncturist in the world because it's a very strong calming point. You know, in yoga, you can set your forehead on the edge of a block, maybe in child's pose or something like that as a way to stimulate it. Even just bringing some awareness to those points can be a way to stimulate it. You know, if you're in a meeting and you can't tap or do something like that, it can be a nice way to kind of tap into those energetic points. Um, as far as breathing goes, it really depends because everyone's so different. I mean, I've worked with I worked with a, a very high caliber athlete who had who was a professional football player who also had asthma, who could hardly do a three count inhale, three count exhale. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it kind of depends on the 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 person and, and you know that did change over time as we were working together slowly. It took quite a bit of work. Um so it really does depend on the individual, but you know, for some people, people who like counting, like some people really like the structure of counting. Um, I would say just a tried and true favorite is four counts in, six counts out, because we're lengthening the exhale to stimulate that parasympathetic response associated with the exhale. Um, and for other people, the counting can kind of feel like a constraint, and so. Um, for some people, I recommend just taking an inhale and then just slowing down their exhale as long as they want without counting. And I know for me, sometimes I like one of those more than the other, just depending on the day. You don't need to overthink it. Um, but I would try some of those out. And, and as you get more comfortable with it, you might even grow to increase some of those numbers. So you know, maybe it's four counts and eight counts out or six counts and 12 counts out. Um, but the key with it is that more is not necessarily better. You know, I know for me, when I started practicing, you know, all these lofty goals of, you know, enlightenment and all of this stuff and being able to, um, you know, expand the breath. And I was forcing it and like straining. And really, I think the potency of these practices comes in our ability to relax. So don't don't force yourself to go higher. Mm-hmm. But as you're just wanting to increase those numbers, you can. Um, See, I, I, I really like simple. Uh, yeah, no, Sorry. I agree, <laughs> and I think I think what you were just saying is like something that I I almost shared earlier. That's like I feel like 
has really helped me that I gained from yoga is this idea of like sort of being effortful, but also mm. like not being so concerned with the results, right? Like, and, and I learned that in yoga and then was able to apply it to like my other workouts. Like it used to be like, oh, I have to like go faster than I did last workout, or I have to add reps or what, you know, like this idea of like, I have to get far, you know, if you do that in yoga, you're probably going to hurt yourself, number one, and you're going <laughs> to make your practice miserable and you're not going to get back on your mat and do it again. Um, but I think, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I think what you just shared about the breathing technique is the same thing is not like, oh, I have to, you know, develop a longer breath hold or a slower exhale or, you know, lengthen my counts or whatever. It's like, no, just be with where you are. And, and sometimes my body can do more stuff than it did last week. And then sometimes it doesn't. And <laughs> either way, that's okay. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's judgment on it either. Like I know for me, when I first started practicing, that was really interesting to me in my teens and my 20s. You know, I think it was more about a discipline, which I needed at the time. And I mm. pushed myself. And when I hurt my back, I had just finished fourth series of Ashtanga, which is kind of ridiculous if you look at the poses that they do. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was so my type A tendency to like, I needed that next pose. I need, And I'm sure there are people who can do it and be healthy and feel great. But for me, it was not the right recipe. Um, however, it, I mean, like, as you know, from our talk, like it, it was a huge part of my story going through that mm -hmm. and what shifted. So I think there's a place for everything. And I love that, that yoga is so much about not judging that. Like there's a place for the householder and a place for the monk and a place for, you know, all these different paths. And it's not that one is right or wrong. Um, again, it comes back to this idea of like, it's really about us learning and growing along the way and opening our eyes so that we can see. So we're not just walking through our lives blindfolded or with our hands tied behind our back. You know, our ability to now go and, and cultivate and create a beautiful relationship or a beautiful business or a, a wonderful podcast to inspire people. You know, I think all of it is is really important. So well said. <laughs> I know. I, should we just, should we just I know, turn let's off the just mic call right it. now? Yeah, let's no just do more. it right there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on. It's so it's like I'm so glad that I'm seeing you because it's been so long since we've connected. Um, but also just for you to offer our listeners your wisdom and knowledge. I'm just we're so appreciative. Well, I'm just in it with you. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> learning too. So I'm sure I'll be able to tune in and learn some things of my own. I've just, you know. I'm happy to be here and share, and it's it's wonderful to see you. You look great, even though I know you have COVID right now. <laughs> you look amazing, and Thank it's you. nice to meet you as well. It's, it's a pleasure course. to be here. Thank you. Well, and, and so Tiffany, if our um, listeners like love everything you said, and they're like, "Where do I go for more?" Super easy, yogamedicine.com. We've got everything on there. We've got a link to um, courses, to classes, to books, to um, what else? Our nonprofit, our podcast, everything's social media. It's all on there. Yogamedicine.com. Yeah. And just to clarify, you can take classes with your online yoga um, that aren't for teachers. You don't have to be a teacher to take your classes. You know, you could start as a beginner. It's like for everybody. 
Yeah, it's really cool because we have these little what we call monthly doses. So, you know, when I was teaching more locally, I found that the people who studied with me over time learned so much and had such a great tool bag of things they could use. And um, so we have these little monthly doses that are just short little lectures to help people get the most out of their practice. And Aww, you know, our platform is really just for people who want to feel great whether that's, you know, moving and hopping and sweating or restorative and um, planting little nuggets of information so they can understand a little bit more about the what, why, and how along the way. Yay. And what's your, is it at Yoga Medicine on on IG? Yeah. uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they're all yoga. I mean, I think there's a space between it on some of them, you know, the underscore. Oh, okay. Underscore medicine. But if you type in yoga medicine, you'll see you'll it. find it. The authorized one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Tiffany, well, thank you so much. We so appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and um, stick around, I guess, for next week's episode. Uh, it's no. going to be a banger. Yeah. And thank you, Tiffany. You're awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go follow us on Instagram at Podcast at underscore Leanna Joan, at The Real Jared Rodriguez. We've got a website, www.hellongoodbyepodcast. You have all the links to our YouTube channel, our Patreon, all of our sponsors. Subscribe, rate, review, share with a friend. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we love you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.